0: Welcome to Wyoming Web Ed Radio. This is James Kapte, Wyoming teacher and buckaroo for our ride. I am partnered with two amazing pickup riders, UW professors Maya Williams and Joe Schroer, molding teachers' minds and keeping our riggings ready and hangups cleared. How we doing, Maya and Joe? Doing well, James. Real good, James. Hey, we are we're riding into week seven of this amazing educational adventure And you're here for the granddaddy of all the interviews in the first season of Wyoming Web Ed Radio.
1: Joe, have you ever participated in a rodeo? Well, James, uh, although I've never been in a rodeo, I was kind of a soccer, baseball, basketball kid. I have been bucked off a couple horses. But uh, what about you, Maya? Uh, We share a love for horses. Have you ever been in a rodeo?
2: I was pretty young, but I have a few barrel races under my belt. Unfortunately, no belt buckles to show for it. How about you, James?
0: Well, no. Uh, Maybe a stick rodeo here and there, but I've never participated in a rodeo. So Maya, have you ever been to the granddaddy of them all since we're kind of missing that this year, but have you ever been to the the Frontier Days rodeo?
2: I haven't. I was really looking forward to it and, didn't get a chance this year, so hopefully next year. Uh, Joe, I bet you've been, though.
1: Oh, you know what? I was there last year, and I'll tell you, I got the chance to go on Armed Services Day. And there was a bronc ride that I, I, I can't remember if it was 91, 92 points, but it, it, it's, it was really impressionable. Still sticks with me to this day. Well, in that
0: case, it's time to get this go round finished and get to the finals of today. We are grateful for the educators out there that share their questions with us for today's conversation. We will work to address all of those questions that were submitted, and on that same note, don't forget to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel so that you can keep getting more Wild Web Ed episodes. So let's get this show on the dirt road. Head them up.
2: Move them move out.
0: Wild Web Ed, here we come. But I- So we needed a little Chris Ledoux to set the stage, and Chris Ledoux is always good. So we are here today with the governor of the great equality state of Wyoming, Governor Mark Gordon. Welcome to Wild Web Ed, Governor Gordon.
3: Oh, well, thanks, and nice uh, to hear Chris Ledoux. He came from the town I grew up in, KC. And, you know, for those rodeo fans, I just want to point out that Wyoming was one of three state fairs this year that ran in the country. So rodeo is alive and well in Wyoming. But I just wanted to take a moment to personally thank all the teachers for their dedication during these incredibly challenging times. You, you and us, we've, we have experienced firsthand the important role that you play in the lives of students and how critical school connectedness is for our students. You have demonstrated flexibility, adaptability, and an unwavering sense of purpose throughout the progression of this pandemic. You are the backbone of Wyoming's economy, and I applaud you for stepping up to be innovative and meet all the challenges that you have faced since the world shifted under our feet in March. I recognize you're working harder than ever before on behalf of your students and to make significant contributions to our state and your schools. Your effort provides our students the foundation for greater opportunity and lifelong learning under the most challenging circumstances we've ever experienced. Thanks, James.
0: Thank you, Governor Gordon. And and I speak for for the teachers across the state, I'm sure, in in thanking you for for your support. We are also very honored to have the Superintendent of Public Instruction, Jillian Balow, riding with us today welcome to our rodeo superintendent balo
4: Thank you, James, so much. And in my next life, I hope to be a rodeo queen and a barrel racer. So Maya's got a leg up on me. And I want to just take a moment and thank Governor Gordon uh, for his leadership and his partnership, and um, most importantly, his dedication to children and families across our state. Um, He is a wonderful partner, with a D, to all of us in Wyoming. Thank you, Governor.
0: So, Governor Gordon and Superintendent Baylo, Maya, our, our writing partner, she, she's new to Wyoming and has been trying to really get the feel for our great state. And we knew the two of you could help her. Well, hear- uh, Maya, go ahead. I'm
2: yep. sorry. Oh, it's okay. You jump right in. I um I heard you both are outdoor enthusiasts, so I was hoping you could give me some insight and recommend a good way to learn about Wyoming's hidden character.
3: Well, thanks. And let me, let me turn this over to the superintendent. We in Wyoming have a lot of respect for our women and, and women always go first.
4: <laughs> thanks, Governor. And Maya, I love answering this question. I grew up in Northeast Wyoming in Gillette. And uh, while we were only about an hour from Buffalo in the mountains, and those seem to be sort of the um, vista that our visitors usually seek, I think there's so much character and beauty in our prairies as well. And the best way to uh, learn about the character, not only of the, the prairie, but also of our towns and of ourselves, is to get on the road and travel across the prairies. So I encourage you not only to uh, spend time in the mountains, but also get to know our prairie lands well as also.
3: In my eye, I would simply add to <laughs> that, I, the is absolutely right. Wyoming's rich in landscapes uh, from the eastern part where you can look at the history of the gold rush and and the, the town we're in, Hell on Wheels, it turned into Cheyenne. From, from Laramie, you can head up north through the Shirley Basin. Uh, out to the west, you've got the Red Desert and all the magic that's there. You've got mountain ranges. One thing you'll find out about people in Wyoming is they all have their favorite mountain range. But I grew up camping, hiking, fishing, kayaking, rodeoing, just doing all the stuff I could outdoors. Uh, and and I just invite you to explore this fabulous state and meet her people, because really the soul of our state is her people.
2: That sounds like great advice. I'm excited to get out and get all over the state and see these wonderful places you're talking about. But we're here today to find out what the teachers wanna know.
0: So this is a perfect chance. I mean. The- Governor Gordon talked about being from Casey and and the hole in the wall gang and the Butch Cassidy and all that back in the days when masks maybe weren't such a good thing. So one of our questions from our teachers came in and and, and they said, do you believe that wearing masks will detract from our primary objective of teaching and learning? Well, James, thanks. I, I think it's
3: important to recognize no matter what school is gonna look different this year, Besides all the controversy and national noise around starting schools, some kids and their families may find wearing masks uncomfortable. Others may insist on having them warm. I can sympathize really with both points of view. Masks aren't comfortable, but without a vaccine, masks are a tool that can help us keep our teachers and our students safe. Most importantly, it will help us keep our schools open. And I have no doubt that the district and its experience with COVID will set a tone for how masks are accepted. Masks may not be the magic bullet, but they do have an important role to play in reducing transmission. I suspect that attitude will play a significant role in how students view masks. If they're fun and folks recognize they're helping to keep their schools open and teachers, students, and others safe, they will probably be of less concern. But if they're viewed as an evil and affront, students may see them differently. In either case, the virus could care less. And of course, there are some students who just cannot wear a mask for medical reasons or others. In the end, we certainly don't want to disenfranchise anyone, but this request is really not much different than our expectation that students wear decent clothes or shoes to school. I'm hoping families can assist schools in setting the right tone so students can get used to wearing masks, not see them as frightening things and make sure they do this before the start of the school year.
0: Well, you know, governor, you bring up a great point. I mean, we are we are we're comfortable wearing shirts and shoes when we go into a restaurant and, and a dress code in school, so it definitely it definitely flows with that and and it's not permanent. It it's it's to get us to where we need to go next. And, and I know, Joe, you, you're right along that line, you're diving in here with another question.
1: That's right, James. Um, Superintendent Bailo, I have a question from a teacher in Fremont 6. So we know that hand washing masks and social distancing are key to keeping COVID at bay. What advice would you give to the older and wiser teacher population with pre-existing conditions, that teach younger students?
4: Well, thanks, Joe. And I would consider myself in the older, but not necessarily wiser category of teachers. And um, and here's the advice that I have. Um, first of all, you, you talked about handwashing and hygiene and social distancing and face coverings, and it's not one of those ki- one of those things that will keep our schools safer. It's all of those precautions and more. And so, going into this um, this school year, as the governor mentioned, this doesn't look like it has in the past. Um, we are requiring increased sanitation, new protocols and practices for safety, and all of those at the end of the day will account for. Something, And um, the second piece of advice that I have is that if, as I visit with school board members, teachers, superintendents across the state, um, we all want to make sure that not just students are safe, but staff is safe as well. The key to um, understanding what options are available to teachers, especially those with pre-existing conditions, is communication. So the earlier that teachers are communicating with their supervisors, such as their principals, and um, their their superintendents, the better. Um, We want to make sure and get plans in place well before school starts, make sure pre-existing conditions are well known, and also become familiar with what the new precautions and protocols are Um, you know the the Wyoming Department of Health has current health orders that don't particularly address uh, staff but they address everyone within the school community and there's also a protocol for if and when there is a positive COVID t- uh, test in a school we've heard Dr. Harris our state health officer talk multiple times about you know her expectation that there will be positive tests in schools and it may not be a matter of if it's a matter of when and when that happens we need to trust that the precautions that we have in place and that the protocol we have for contact tracing and isolation and quarantine will be adequate um, the first step is opening schools. The next step is keeping schools open with all of these precautionary measures and data-driven protocols that we have in place to keep schools safe and to respond when there's a positive COVID-19 test.
1: Wow thank you so much superintendent. Uh, So it sounds like easy to follow protocols, efforts of everyone, focusing on all the little things along the way, along with excellent communication will help us keep the virus out of our schools Immediate spread if it does happen to get in there. So Maya, I know you've got another question for Governor Gordon uh, related to data-driven uh, decision-making.
2: I do, this one comes from a professor in Laramie One. What are the specific metrics or data that are going to be used to determine when schools should open or close?
3: Well, Maya, thanks. Uh, you, I asked the superintendent to take the lead on the COVID-19 Education Task Force, and I think you know why. You've just heard her speak about how comprehensive she was in looking at these things.
4: But I really want to take a
3: moment just to thank her for all her work on the task force and for standing up and and getting the Smart Start Working Group going and to establish and develop guidance for school districts reopening uh, schools safely. In all of this effort, we've really struggled to maintain flexibility in a sensible way to deliver instruction regardless of the conditions. I'm certain the one thing we can depend on in the coming months is that things will change, and what we want to see is coherent progress forward. To see our students get the education they need regardless, and to do it in a way that can adapt quickly to changing circumstances. There are three tiers within the guidance document that school districts have utilized to establish protocols for delivering instruction. Face-to-face, partially face-to-face, or virtual. All plans have been submitted to the Wyoming Department of Education for approval. And here I think it's important to just note that Each district is a little bit different, and so conditions are different on the ground. We wanted to leave it to those districts to be able to make the best choices they can do uh, uh, on on the ground with the advice they have. Under the current health Mm -hmm. orders, all school districts can open fully face-to-face in Tier 1. However, and this is again on the ground, importantly, local school boards will determine whether schools will open fully face-to-face or in a hybrid model or a tier two, if necessary, to begin the year. The Department of Health has provided guidance for schools on how to handle positive cases should they occur. And the Department of Health will take into account every situation individually to determine the level of closure necessary to keep students and teachers safe. We're really trying to establish flexibility and adaptability and that desire to keep moving forward, even if we see a hiccup here or there.
0: Well, you know, it it definitely sounds like, Governor, we're talking about really building a framework that allows for school districts and communities, which were not all the same, to kind of work within that framework. And, And I know, once again, that one size fits all um, doesn't work. And so uh, a, a approach that allows for, for that input from the different schools and, and some, that local control is, is so important. So with that,
1: we have kind of this hidden question from Joe. Well, this is for Superintendent Bello. So one of the most amazing positive outcomes of this pandemic is the outpouring of support to, to feed each other. Which is an amazingly positive peaceful kind of thing to do. I think the work of our nonprofits and schools should really be commended across the state. So with that in mind, since the superintendent is an avid hunter, and we will start to, you know, maybe potentially superintendent will we start to see wild game in our school cafeterias.
4: Well, Joe, any time that I have an opportunity to talk about hunting, I'm all over it. But I'll refrain, I'll stop just short of sharing my pictures. Um, In 2019, I had tags to fill and never had an opportunity to pull the trigger in the field. Um, I've already filled one of my two big game tags uh, for this hunting season. I just got an antelope last week. and looking forward to filling my freezer for the winter. Alongside my tag when I opened it up the envelope from Wyoming Game and Fish was a flyer uh, from First Lady Jenny Gordon and um, I'm so proud of the work that she's done with the Wyoming Hunger Initiative and um, around not just feeding children but feeding children and their families who experience food insecurity she's done so much work though with our with our schools to make sure that our schools or that our children uh, not only have adequate nutrition but have access to local nutrition uh, from local producers as well so if there's anyone who can get it done and I know Jenny is first lady and I know her as a friend and I know her as a hunting partner it's Jenny Gordon and I really am it's just an honor to work with her on the hunger initiative and with her at the helm I'm pretty sure there's a great chance we could see wild game it not only in our cafeterias but also in some of our um, food pantries that are within schools and some of the the um, the rooms that schools have stood have been able to stand up to give children food for the weekend. Uh, wouldn't it be great to think about our kids not only taking home a box of pasta, but also maybe some fresh meat from a, a local hunter or a local producer as well. So governor, please pass on um, my many grat- my many thanks to the First Lady for her great work with her initiative.
1: Well, that sounds pretty awesome. Hey, if if uh, Governor or Superintendent, if we get some big game tags out there for the schools, I'm in. Count <laughs> in. What an exciting,
0: what an exciting way to get kids to appreciate another part of Wyoming as well—not just filling their stomachs, but feel you know, understanding all the things that Wyoming really has to offer. Uh, to keep them thinking about being here and wanting to stay in our great state of Wyoming. So Jillian, I, I get the honor of asking a question. And it's a tough one from one of our teachers. Have we seen a drop in enrollment in public schools? And, and if we have, what is that? How's that going to impact our funding moving forward?
4: So there are two parts to that question or to my response. And the first one is don't panic Um, our enrollment figures and the funding that's related to enrollment is on a, a, a Three year average. And so just if there's a drop in enrollment one year that doesn't affect funding immediately. It has to be an ongoing drop in enrollment. The second part to the response is um, that we don't know yet. We do a point in time count once school is underway and once we think mobility of students slows down a little bit and we do a point in time count uh, in in our schools and, um, and that doesn't happen for a bit. Uh, so we don't have any statewide data. Anecdotally, as I talk to school districts, it's all over the board. Um, I've talked to school districts that are getting more and more families by the, by the day. And I talked to other, um, I just talked to a principal who thinks he's going to be down 30, 40 kids in his school this year. So it has, um, it has yet to materialize in an empirical way. We just don't know what the enrollment will be this year.
0: Well, that, the, the part that it, it allows us to have a kind of a rolling average definitely gives us a chance to absorb some of, some of those issues that might, that might arise and, and when we actually have that data that goes, goes with that. So the, the next question is, is from a librarian in Uinta County, and, and I'm going to hand it off to Maya just because we, we are appreciating all the unique county names in Wyoming and, and how you have to actually study to pronounce some of those. So Maya, what do you got for us?
2: Well, the librarian wants to know, and this is for Governor um, Gordon, if we had to start this school year or subsequent school years um, in the COVID-19 tier two or three. So you were talking about those different tiers just a minute ago. What actions are you considering at the state level to guarantee that districts have the support we need in the face of the educational budget cuts?
3: Well, thank you for that important question, and and these are certainly tumultuous times, and to be sure, uh, I think they probably will remain so for a while. Your question addresses two threats that we face today, obviously the virus and all that attends it, and the budget today and going forward. But for today, out of the 1.25 billion in CARES money that Wyoming received, I allocated about 51 million for technology, nutrition, and personal protection equipment, PPE, to ensure that students and teachers are protected and connected should we have to deliver instruction remotely. I wanted to make sure students have access to meals and schools have the necessary supplies to reopen safely. I awarded another $750,000 for school districts to utilize for transitions for students either during the summer or for transitioning between tiers or grade levels. And Wyoming also received an additional 32 million for the elementary and secondary emergency relief funds that are based on district tier one allocations. Lastly, I announced last week that school districts may opt into a testing surveillance program to assist districts with contact tracing and keeping schools open and safe. There are other funds available for PPE and I wanna actually also thank sponsors like Haynes, who've donated thousands of masks uh, among other supplies to our schools. What the future holds is a topic we're still working on but I wanna make you rest assured that I'm committed to education in all of our schools. We will have some difficult conversations I know but our schools hold the key to a prosperous future for Wyoming, to our families, and I will never lose sight of that fact.
2: Thank you. It sounds like the planning is really comprehensive and you're thinking about a lot of different areas related to education. So Governor Joe has another question for you.
1: Hello, sir. So I have a question from an educator. What is the plan for protecting teachers if their school has to quarantine due to a positive COVID test?
3: Well, so I'm hoping that school districts are developing plans to utilize some of the CARES money I just spoke about, and that they have received for that purpose. And I also believe the legislature is looking at some other strategies to assist with some of the relief for teachers regarding leave due to COVID. We're working on that too. This is an important discussion, and I am interested in teachers' perspectives on this topic. But I know, Superintendent Bailo, you have some additional color you might want to offer on this topic.
4: I do. Thanks. And first, I just want to reiterate that um, you know we're so grateful for uh, again not just your your commitment um, to uh, addressing education issues, Governor, but also uh, putting a lot of a lot of money and a lot of investment toward these uh, very expensive. Um, PPE and costs to refit schools and make sure that students and teachers are safe as they return to school. Um, We don't want to overreact when there is a positive COVID case. At the same time, we don't want to underreact. So I would also reiterate that the state health officer and every single county health officer has a protocol in place that they've built in collaboration with the school district in case there is a positive COVID test. A positive COVID test doesn't necessarily mean that the school needs to shut down. Uh, Students or staff members with a positive test will be quarantined or isolated. Any close contacts, which are uh, identified as someone who's been in contact with a person who tests positive for 15 or more minutes without social distancing. And we want to make sure that we take the necessary steps to. to minimize the number of close contacts that that exist when there's a positive COVID test. So that's that's definitely in the works in every every single school district across the state. And we know it will continue to play a key role as we go forward with the school year.
1: Wonderful, and I just wanted to take a moment to reiterate that anyone can go to HTTP edu so edu.wyoming.gov and click on the COVID-19 resources tab at the top and find a lot more information about what the superintendent and the governor are talking about here. And I've also put that in the chat. Now Maya has a question, an instructional question for the superintendent as well.
2: I do. So Superintendent Baylow, what considerations have been given to identify um, duplication of effort by teachers who are instructing in both in person and virtually, and what additional support structures are being considered?
4: Yes. Yeah, so, great question. Um, for. Even the most experienced teacher uh, this year may feel like they are a first year teacher again um, because we have to duplicate our efforts and make sure that we are ready to teach in Tier 1, Tier 2, and Tier 3 at all times. What we saw last spring was some lost instructional time as on March 15th, school buildings closed and teachers needed time to get a virtual program, virtual curriculum, virtual instruction up and running. What we've asked every school to do this year is be prepared to toggle from tier to tier, um, depending on what the COVID-19 landscape is. So it might seem like there's a duplication of effort by teachers, but really what it is, it's preparation for, for teaching children, no matter whether it's remotely, in person, or a mixture of both. Um, in order to support that, All school districts have been providing professional development to teachers. The state um, my my Department of Education has several subject matter experts on virtual learning um, as well as student engagement and they've provided some professional development around that and I've talked to so many great teachers across the state who have sought training opportunities out on their own either online or in person to um, to get up to speed on how to best teach each But even more importantly than the professional development um, offerings throughout the school are the conversations that are going to to happen once school starts with professional learning community teams, with their colleagues, both in a school, in a district, and across the state. And we are all in this together, and we're all learning together. Again, in some ways, this year may feel like the first year of teaching for even the most seasoned teacher, and um, that's not a duplicate of effort it is a teacher doubling down on the challenge that we face and I know teachers are up for the challenge I've seen them be incredibly innovative and incredibly hardworking to meet challenges
2: thanks I've been here just a short time and I totally agree I've seen that innovation in teachers well I think James is gonna close us out with one more question
0: so that last answer really leads us to to a great question, and, and I appreciate the idea of, of new teachers, that excitement. And so we get that excitement again this year. Well, who knows what education can do? So we have a question that uh, we'll have Superintendent Bale ask, answer first, uh, as, as Governor Gordon said, ladies first, and, and then we'll have Governor Gordon follow up with that. And so a- as you think about your educational experiences and you consider the future, what is something that you see as positives coming out of all of this through this pandemic, that that we hope to continue in the future.
4: James, I love that question because I am um, I'm always the silver lining gal. I'm always looking um, at at uh, what lessons can be learned and what positive experiences there are, and there are so many from COVID-19. Um, it's been a really challenging time for all of us, but in 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 education for as long as I've been a part of it over 20 years, 25 years, um, we've been looking for and trying to create a disruption to change things, to really propel or catapult education. And that happened on March 15th in the state of Wyoming and all across the nation. And here are a couple of things that I think we can take away from it. And that if we don't, we are missing this disruption to improve um, and this opportunity to improve education. We saw record number of parents engaged in their children's education last spring. That needs to continue. Parents are a child's first and most important teacher. We have worked hard to incorporate and flip our classrooms to incorporate uh, virtual learning and technology to greater degrees. On March 15th, that happened. We we were able to rebuild our education and our instructional system to better accommodate this technology world that we're in. Um, More than just teaching kids how to consume or use technology, we want our students to be able to solve problems and innovate using technology. we're not there yet, but we are on our way, and we have a really nice springboard with COVID-19 to continue that work. The other thing is that, um, you know, we for a long time have expected children and families to fit inside of a public education system. COVID 19 has caused us, and Governor Gordon talked about it earlier, caused us to plan for different scenarios. In Wyoming, we call that Smart Start, and the tiered, tier one, tier two, and tier three of school operations. I hope that's something that sticks with us because it offers more options in our public schools to families to be able to best meet the needs of our students and that's really the po- the the role of public education so i'm excited about a whole lot more but what what a great disruption to rethink education and think about all the ways that we've wanted to improve but we haven't been able to because it takes too long now is our chance
0: thank you thank you superintendent Bale and and, and all those are, are amazing visions for, for the future. And, and now, Governor Gordon, what do you see as the positives?
3: Well, well, thank you. And I, I didn't want to go last just so I had the last word. Um, but I really want to compliment the superintendent on her leadership. Her, her devotion to kids and to education is just second to none. And we really are lucky in this state to have such an accomplished leader and somebody who really understands education. One thing that I think both the superintendent and I understand and I think most people in Wyoming is that what's ahead is changing daily, sometimes hourly. Still, you know, I think about it and I think what an amazing time to be a teacher. How we address our challenges in this time is such an important lesson. We have a chance to demonstrate how failure happens and how we deal with adversity as well as work towards solving problems. These are invaluable lessons for our students and maybe for a few of us as well. We could be what could be more in a teacher's wheelhouse. We can use this opportunity to emphasize the value of hypothesis. We attempt, we might get it wrong, we can reconsider with new information and we try again until we get it right. This is a great time to teach, it seems to me. Our students will learn about process, about the answer, not just an answer. We can use this moment to help our students understand the complexity and sorts of problems they may encounter in the future and how important it will be for them to be intellectually nimble, creative, and able to think critically as well as outside the box. The value of lifelong learning will perhaps never be more obvious. You know, as a teacher, I don't think there can be a syllabus for these times, no study plan. For a teacher, it's in your classroom where all the magic happens. What a time for pure pedagogy, where a teacher's chops are essential. When will a teacher ever have more freedom, more challenge, more time to innovate, more opportunity to teach, and more reward for the satisfaction from a job well done? My heart goes out to you and I thank you from the bottom of it for all that you do. I I just, I know Wyoming is in good hands when we have you as teachers. And thanks, James, for this opportunity.
0: Well, your your answer, Governor, just gets me all excited about learning is messy and, and we're gonna find solutions and not just focus on, you know, everybody trying to do things perfect because that is really learning. And I don't know if if thank you is enough, but we thank you for what you, do for the state of Wyoming in leading during this challenging time and and we thank you for joining us Governor Gordon and Superintendent Baylo, uh for taking that time to answer teachers questions it it I, I speak for them it means the world to us to know that that we're appreciated but our voices are heard and so next week we saddle up for the final ride of season one of wild web ed radio we will be joined by Brian Cox Mike and award-winning principal an amazing student advocate will speak with us about equity and access in education so next week same time same place happy trails to you until we see you next tuesday